0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I dream of a giant Michelle Rodriguez coming home to me. Joining me today is Devinder
1: Hardwar. This week, I saw a fantastical movie where Hugh Grant plays a performer who imprisons our lovable hero, who is then forced to escape using their wit and charm. But enough about Paddington too. (laughs) <laughs> mm, nailed it. Did you I see, by that. the way,
0: that uh, Paddington 3 was announced yes. this, as we were recording this? It was Glory recently B. announced. Yeah. So, amazing. Uh, Paddington 3 is on the way. And also joining us today, Jeff Canada,
2: Roll initiative, fellas.
1: Uh, 13. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I guess I'm the highest, come on. Yeah, I guess Dave Dave didn't even roll. Yeah, sorry, I I don't know what that
2: means. (laughs) 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 It means we're about to fight, is what it
0: means. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, Uh, Before we get to our main review, of course, we got a little bit of film news, uh, some emails to get to, plus what we've been watching, a lot of great stuff to talk about there. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com, email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com, find us on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram at thefilmcastpod, find us on TikTok at thefilmcast, we're posting new videos on all those platforms every single week, do join us there, and support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Speaking of patreon.com slash film podcast, where you can sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks, we have a packed slate for you this month on the After Dark. This week, it's going to be a review of Go, the Doug Liman movie that Peter Saretta named as the movie he wanted to force us to watch Good after last year, winning last year's summer movie wager. Uh, we also have Evil Dead Rise coming out later this month, so we are doing an Evil Dead spectacular, an Evil Dead-acular.
2: Yeah, you did it. You nailed it.
0: Next week on The After Dark, we're covering Evil Dead, The Originals 1 and 2, followed by the week after, Army of Darkness, and Evil Dead remake, Woo! culminating in Evil Dead Rise, which I believe is releasing on April 21st of this month. The so, amazing
2: thing about this retrospective, ladies and gentlemen, is that David Chen has seen zero Evil Dead movies. I
0: have never seen an Evil Dead movie to completion. That wow. is this is.
2: This is very exciting. Yeah, very yeah, exciting. You're gonna, we're gonna, you're gonna drink from the fire hose of Evil Dead.
0: It's true, and uh, also Jeff, you have not seen the Evil Dead remake uh, as uh, yeah, well, right? I, I,
2: I mm-hmm. Love the first three movies. I uh, have not seen the remake, so that'll be new for me.
0: Yeah. So if you are an After Dark subscriber at Patreon.com/slash/FilmPodcast, you will get our review of Go, our Evil Dead one and two retrospective, plus our Army of Darkness and Evil Dead remake retrospective in the coming weeks culminating in our review of evil dead rise in a few weeks it's going to be a lot of fun it's a great time to become a patron over at patreon.com slash film podcast speaking of which on a recent episode of the patreon uh the after dark at patreon.com slash film podcast uh we've been discussing ai doing a lot of ai voice cloning talking about the implications and talking about how uh pretty soon if not already uh you can create a reasonable AI approximation of a human and talk to them very much like in an episode of black mirror. Uh, And we, we speculated on whether people would use this to get to know us uh, if, and when we pass away, you know Uh, and Gordon wrote in uh, about this topic, quote, regarding your conversation about brain mapping, uploading consciousness and talking to parents who have died. There was a brilliant American anime sci-fi show on AMC plus last year with an incredible cast, including Paul Dano and John Hurt in his last role, called Pantheon, based on the short stories of Ken Liu. No one watched it. Those who did adored it. It's at 100% Rotten Tomatoes, and for my money, was one of the top three shows of the entire year, along with Severance and Andor. Mm -hmm. It was unceremoniously slapped onto AMC+, and sadly, the finished second season was shelved for tax purposes. AMC does a really bad job of, like,
1: promoting its shows, so... But it's still
0: worth checking out for being the most serious exploration of these sci-fi concepts ever undertaken on a television show. It's funny, it's beautiful, it will make you cry. Your AI replicants will never match your beautiful souls. Gordon. Uh, Thank you for that message, Gordon.
2: I'm Mm. very intrigued by this. I'm... uh, um... I have not read any Ken Liu yet, but I have uh, purchased *The Grace of Kings*, which is the first of his *Dandelion Dynasty* series. Four books. Um, that is and a great have, title. It's sitting on my Kindle, waiting to be read.
0: So. Wow. Mm. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for that recommendation, Gordon. Uh, really appreciate it. And yeah, it seems uh, it's so sad. Like when I what broke my heart was reading that part about how the finished second season was shelved for tax purposes. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? working on something for many many months and you're really proud of it and then probably it's years done yeah, yeah. You, uh, like you're like well you know as long as it's out in the world and people can access it i don't care if a lot of people see it and then boom it never even has a chance to come out it's just it's well a brutal streaming environment we live the, in.
2: Right the silver lining though is that you get the joy of knowing your employer's taxes are slightly lower i
0: know <laughs> I, well you, you know now that you say it that way jeff it, that does ease the pain we right? all want to be a write-off
2: yeah Mm -hmm. i want to be a (laughs) write-off most people say i want to be a writer i want to be a (laughs) write-off
0: but the show's name is pantheon and apparently it's available on amc plus i will try to check it out same speaking of emails to slash filmcast at gmail.com i think it is safe to say we got a torrent of disagreements about my comments about picard season
2: holy smokes this is crazy yeah yeah. Holy smokes, you, uh, you called forth, you unleashed the Kraken, David.
0: I poked the bear. I Picard the bear. I Picarded the bear. <laughs> wow. Anyway, Okay. Uh, Brandon Tate, who I consider a Star Trek expert, writes, and he has a great TikTok channel talk, talking about it. He writes in quote, uh, David Chen is right that the next generation of the show about ideas, but not only that, like all Star Trek, it's an action adventure series that absolutely waxed philosophical on politics, religion, and society, it was also a show where, among other things, Beverly Crusher fucked a candle ghost, and Riker turns into an ape man in the same episode where Barkley turns into Spider-Man. It's always been a show not just about ideas, but it had its fun, too, and required suspension of disbelief. All this is to say that Picard Season 3 was, by design... Intended to be a final sendoff for these characters in the style of not just the TNG film series, but more in the style of the original series films with the Wrath of Khan and the under, like, the Wrath of Khan and the Undiscovered Country. It's a rollicking good time with actors who have mastered performing these characters for thirty years. Arguably, Jonathan Frakes who directed two TNG films himself, has never been better as William Riker. Your buddy, Todd Stashwick, is also the breakout character of the season to such a degree that there's now an increasingly sizable part of the fan base clamoring for a show starring him and Jerry Ryan. Seven of Nine. It's also a season about, and story about legacy and consequences. One criticism of The Next Generation has been the episodic nature, not only of the stories, but of the characters themselves. What should have been long-lasting relationships and left devastating emotional effects are dropped in the next episode. We're coming to terms with many threads left from the show in what I and many skeptical fans find to be a satisfying way. I dare not go into spoilers, but there's a number of surprising things uh, that I was surprised to see them pick up and characters return to tell the end of their story in an interesting way. The reason there's been so much positive fan reaction is because we're seeing these characters one last time by actors being given work by someone who clearly loves the original show. Unlike the previous final adventure, star Trek nemesis where director Stuart Baird refused to watch a single episode of star Trek, much less take input from the actors <laughs> with their own characters. It's That's always a
2: good sign. It's always it's, a good sign when the director of your movie based on the TV show refuses to watch the TV show. That's mm-hmm. good. That's it's
0: well produced. The production design is right in line with the Trek films in quality and scale. I think it's worth Jeff's time to check it out. Love the show and all that you guys do. End quote. That's from Brandon writing into slashfilmcast@gmail.com.
2: That's a Uh, it's a very persuasive email, very well written. Uh, Even more persuasive in that it is one of dozens of emails (laughs) saying very similar things about how wrong you are about this, David.
0: Here's the thing. Here's the thing, though, uh, Jeff Kanata is. I actually, I dare say as somebody who podcasts with Jeff Kanata on a weekly basis and therefore is forced to spend three hours talking with him
2: lucky to spend. Yes. Go ahead.
0: That I know some things about what Jeff Kanata likes. And even though I'm often wrong, EG avatar (laughs) 2. I mean, even avatar, I thought Jeff might like that, you know, but I dare say you will be annoyed by many of the same things that I am annoyed by with, star uh, star trek picard season three um but certainly i think the the emails and such do feel like it's it it should be enough to make you give this series a chance the season three of the show a chance
2: yeah y- indeed it will i i have uh it has rocketed to the top of my prove david wrong list which mm-hmm. is a, a little list that i keep of things yeah. to watch um just to spite you and yeah. uh <laughs> It's my spite watching. Uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Great. Um, great. I have not started yet. However, these numerous emails did lead me to start going down a rabbit hole of YouTube watching Jonathan Frakes interviews. (laughs) And Uh let me tell you, friends. Jonathan Frakes gives good interview. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's good. doing a raft of of publicity uh, built around you know this new season of Picard, and he, the dude is very very fun to listen to. So many great stories. So many great. I mean, because you know he's interacted with the cast as a cast member and as a director. He has great directing stories. He's directed tons of TV, not just Star Trek. You know, all kinds of episodic TV that you know and love. And I have seen him on several different podcasts now. Um, that it, 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 I highly recommend typing in Jonathan Frakes into your YouTube search bar and uh, enjoying his honesty, his forthrightness. He, the dude spills it, and it's fun to listen to. He's fun,
0: awesome. Well, Hillside Picard- like a
2: really good guy. Mm, uh, yeah. He he was in you know he was in um oh, what's the name of that movie? He was in a movie in the eighties with Patrick Swayze, and it was the movie uh at which he met his wife, who he's still married to, uh, in the in the 80s. And he, he listened to him talk about Swayze and talking about like the dude's got stories. Stories.
0: Well, Picard season three is airing right now on Paramount Plus. A lot of people love that show. Uh and I do realize I'm in the minority there. So uh check it out if you are a fan of the next generation. Um also, interesting to reflect on that Stuart Baird thing that you called out, Jeff Kanada, about like this guy who had never watched an episode of the show didn't seem to give a shit about it uh, and directed a bad movie. It strikes me that in today's environment, that probably would not be allowed to happen no chance you know what
2: I'm saying? Like, no chance that
0: guy would be <laughs> ripped to shreds
2: yes before uh-huh. the announcement of his it, 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 it would be you know the equivalent of the uh goofy looking sonic the hedgehog you know mm-hmm. it would be
0: imagine someone taking yeah. over the new star wars yeah who's like i've never seen any star wars before no <laughs> it's like
1: a <laughs> quote has to be i'm kissing the feet of this franchise before yes. i make yes. It. yes yeah literally i would be worried for that person's personal safety <laughs> <laughs> like oh, yeah. if that happened right? and what does that
2: so, say about where we've come i don't know if it's a positive thing but it's a
0: terrible thing it's a terrible thing i finished i finally finished that A.O. Scott interview uh, that you mentioned doing your hard Mm -hmm. work. Yeah, he he does rail against modern fandom in a very persuasive way. It's almost like
1: if you say something bad about a really popular TV show, right? And you get dozens of emails just saying you're completely wrong.
2: Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Anyway. In defense of our emailers, Dave did specifically ask for Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I did provoke. I them.
1: I have just seen this happen to every <laughs> single person who has said anything negative about Picard. Um so, you know, yeah. it's it's funny. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah uh, well, uh, well uh, people also called out that your colleague at Engadget who's mm-hmm. the uh, seems to be the only person reviewing Picard
1: negatively, aka Sanely in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um I it, believe it, he has it, also lost screener access because of that. So. <laughs> wow. Paramount oh, is being man. really petty about this. Wow. Ooh. Yeah.
0: yeah. Paramount, That's not cool. That is not cool. Paramount yeah. should be begging people to watch shows on Paramount+. <laughs> Plus, you know? Um, so, anyway. It's Star Trek. They don't need to.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, you can always write into slashfilmcast.gmail.com to tell us how any of us, how wrong any of us are. Um, but, anyway, uh, we do need to move on. There is one bit of sad news we want to mention, uh, which is that uh, Ryuichi
1: Sakamoto passed away this week. Divinger Hardwar, you want to tell folks who this is and why his work is important to you? Sure. I mean, I feel like I do. I have to tell you who Ryuichi Sakamoto is. The man was a legend, a genius. Um, he, uh, was like. A- he is known for, you know, he won the Oscar for Last Emperor. He has done tremendous film scores, but he is also yeah, he's a, a Japanese composer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. A Japanese composer who lived in New York. Um he worked together with the Yellow Magic Orchestra in the 70s, but I've always just really loved his music. From his scores to his pop work, um, his uh, 90s album, it's called Smoochie, and it has some of like some of his themes that will be you will recognize because they have appeared in other things. They've appeared in like Babel, like pieces of his music just pop up everywhere. I've always loved him as an artist, uh, since I discovered him in college and I've always liked his worldview. he's somebody who, you know, I, I think has always had like a beautiful, a beautiful vision of art and how you create it. I'll talk more about that in what I've watched later. Um, but yeah, I just think it's tremendously sad. Like I've always connected to his work, his death, um, is hitting me just like David Bowie's did because it feels like somebody who kind of saw the world I, the way I did and somebody who was trying to get amazing art out there. Funny too that they were both in a very like you know well well-regarded movie called Merry Christmas, uh, Mr. Lawrence. Um, so yeah, just tremendously sad. Um, he passed away from cancer, but he certainly left his mark on the world
0: yeah i was particularly taken by his work in the revenant i thought mm-hmm. that score was gorgeous it's still it's it's a score sure. i can still remember it haunts what, what me what about
1: snake eyes he did the score for <laughs> snake eyes underrated good, movie. Score. Under good score underrated yeah.
0: movie for sure for sure but anyway yeah um well thanks for sharing that with us Devin. go it's listen really
1: to great. some ririchi Sakamoto. that's all i have to say
0: go listen Indeed. to spoochie all right folks let's take a quick break we'll be right back with more FilmCast and what we'll be watching right after this Let's talk about what we've been watching. Jeff Kanata, what are some things you have been watching this week?
2: Well, I checked out a new Apple TV Plus show that is called The Big Door Prize. Uh, This uh, stars Chris O'Dowd, who I like quite a bit. I love him, yeah. I enjoy him popping up in anything. Since
1: Uh, IT Crowd, like, he is tremendous, yeah. Yeah,
2: he is tremendous. Um, But, you know, as much as he is sort of front and center in the marketing at least through the first three episodes of this show, which is all that I have watched so far, it very much is an ensemble uh, piece. It, 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 you know, he's, he's the marquee character and, and takes front and center in, a, in you know the first couple of episodes, but it really is about a town. This town of Deerfield, which I think is a fictional town. Uh, anyway, it's a small town. And the premise of the show is that there's a general store in Deerfield, which speaks to how small a town it is. And in this general store, one day, appears a machine that looks kind of like a photo booth. The proprietor, the, the owner of the store, doesn't remember ordering it, doesn't know how it, when it showed up. The employee who was there that day doesn't remember, was like in the back and then came out and it was there. No one knows. So it's kind of got this magical realism. I, and you mm-hmm, know you guys mm-hmm. know that I love grounded naturalistic shows that have this thread of magic, you know, yeah. thread of of sort of heightened fairy tale to it. I love that aesthetic in, in, in shows and media and whatever. Uh, and this, sh- this show very much is that. And the, I, the, Anyway, this, so this machine called the Morpho, it, it looks kind of like a photo booth. And you go in it, you put a few quarters in, and it's, you put your hand on a, on a pad, and it spits out a blue card that tells you your potential. Not your future, not your, not a prediction of anything, literally just your potential. Hmm. Which is a brilliant notion. So basically the show is about how everybody in this town sort of can't resist trying it. And it's all these almost, it's almost a lot of bunch of short stories about the different people that get cards from this thing. and. Sometimes the, car, sometimes the cards are very enigmatic. Sometimes the cards are uh, exactly what you're doing. It's sometimes it it, it seems unattainable, but you know it, it. It's this notion of what would you do if something told you your potential? Some people in the show react to it by being very inspired to to change their lives and and strive for something more. Other people are, you know, get into a deep depression because they're not achieving their potential, or their their potential they were shown is is somehow, you know, contrary to their their self perception. It's a fascinating science fiction concept, and I'm very curious to see where this show goes. I, I've, as I mentioned, I've watched the first three episodes. Episode three ends with a gut punch, absolute gut punch. Mm. Um. But again, it's it's not a really a, a so far. It's not really about one particular character. It's about these interlocking stories of all the different people in this town. Chris O'Dowd and his wife are are you know sort of front and center. But you you get to see the backstories, the the effects of this machine on all types of different people. Uh, you know, from different walks of life in this little town. Man, it evidently based on a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if there's going to be a season two. I don't know how much they expanded upon the mo- novel. I don't know. I don't know anything about the novel, but it is a really delicious premise that they're exploring so far in really interesting ways. I am hooked on the show. And I, I think I think it's something special.
1: Yeah, All uh, right. I'm going to check this out. This is from yeah. one of the Shits Creek uh, creators, too. So that's cool. Yeah,
0: I will try to check it out. The big door prize on Apple TV Plus. You know what it reminds me of? Have you guys read the short story by Ted Chang mm-hmm. called "What's Expected of Us"? Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Um. So I'm, I'm going to just read to you. it's it's the, the whole story is basically like the length of an article. I'm not going to read the whole article, but I'll read to you a little bit of it. Um. Ted Chang, by the way, the guy who wrote the story that Arrival was based off of. Yeah. Right. Amazing so, short story. Very, very uh, talented writer. writer. Um. So the story is called "What's Expected of Us." You can find this online. And he writes, quote, by now you've probably seen a predictor. Millions of them have been sold by the time you're reading this. For those who haven't seen one, it's a small device like a remote for opening your car door. It only features Its only features are a button and a big green LED. The light flashes if you press the button. Specifically, the light flashes one second before you press the button. Most people say that when they first try it, it feels like they're playing a strange game. One where the goal is to <laughs> press the button before seeing the, or after seeing the flash. It's easy to play. But when you try to break the rules, you find you can't. If you try to press the button without having seen a flash, the flash immediately appears. And no matter how fast you move, you never push the button until a second has elapsed. If you wait for the flash, intending to keep from pressing the button afterwards, the flash never appears. No matter what you do, the light always precedes the button press. There's no way to fool predictor, end quote. That's the premise of the
1: short story, he, um, he did such a great job of like building these kernels of thoughts yeah. that you just kind of have to toy with. Yeah, it's great.
0: But but basically, mm-hmm. it, it's like what would the 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 profound effect on society that that device would have? Or, or he he posits that the effect on society that that device would have is profound. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it basically means like that determinism is is real in some way. You yeah. know, and and like people would lose their minds thinking about it essentially like
1: like the, the, the idea that you don't have free will kind of breaks reality for some people yeah, yeah.
0: like people really would uh, uh they, they develop something called akinetic a- a- mutism uh which is like damage to the brain um and 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 some kind of it, it, it's just, it's just fascinating to think like oh that's a very simple concept of a button that appears that, that flashes right before you press it but um anyway great story it's the, called e- e- yeah go ahead
2: I don't want to get off on a tangent but you know that's actually accurate there's been there's Mm -hmm. been studies to the human brain that says that we (laughs) we do a thing before we think to do a thing it's there's Mm -hmm. literally oh yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. science that that we don't have free will because we're literally acting before the brain has any made any conscious notion to act yeah It's, it's pretty wild
0: yeah yeah um, but yeah, b- basically if people don't think they have free will, they, uh, start to lose hope or, you know, just imagine the, the <laughs> psychological consequences of thinking that, uh, everything you do is predetermined, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's hard, it's hard. So anyway, uh, but that's what this, I, uh, made the, me think
2: of. Yeah, I, I would say the interesting thing about this, the, the nuance that I think is, makes it even more fascinating for the big door prize is that. It is so much up to interpretation as to what you, what, how you decide your potential, what the notion of potential means. Right, right. You know, and and it, so much of the show is about how people react to that. Like, I don't want to say anything specific because I don't want to give anything away or, or spoil anything. But there are cards where the person gets it, and the way you read the card, it, it could go a whole lot of different ways. Right, it's it's, right. It's, a, it's enigmatic and. But, and how you interpret what potential means, like, oh, it's so smart. It's so interesting.
0: Well, that's the big door prize on Apple TV+. Plus. I will check out at least a couple episodes. Jeff Canato, what else are you watching?
2: I had a chance to see the upcoming new Ben Affleck directed film, Air. Yes. This is a, uh, it starts uh, stars uh, Matt Damon and uh, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker! Back! I haven't seen Chris Tucker in things. Maybe I just haven't noticed, but... I feel like Chris Tucker hasn't been working. Chris Tucker's in this movie. Um, This is the story of Nike and the signing of uh, Michael Jordan to... And
1: his parents, apparently. And his parents.
2: Now, (laughs) I don't want to spoil anything, (laughs) but it turns out Michael Jordan does sign with Nike.
0: What? Jeff, (laughs) come... Come on, man! You can't give away the ending of the movie in the so, world we've been watching.
2: Ju- I think it was just last week, Dave. You were uh, <laughs> decrying the 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 uh, trend of these process movies. That so you 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 attributed it to uh, this yes. the social network kind of starting a trend of movies that are sort of like. You know, just explaining how a thing happened. <laughs> right.
0: Like, like does it add more than the to your life and understanding than the Wikipedia page does? And if the answer is no, then I, I am not sure that the movie needs to exist. And yeah. I will say, I've had a very out-of-body experience with this movie, Jeff, uh, Air, because uh, every trailer for this movie makes it look like dog shit. Like, it looks awful it, it, it looks like a snl parody as we discussed in our pre-show banter you know
2: is that because uh how ridiculous ben affleck looks in it that's part of it you know yeah, I and mean, i
0: will say ben affleck can do a bad haircut hairstyle like in the last duel he made that work for his character um so but i think that uh, in, in fairness
2: he he they show pictures of the guy he's playing and that's how the guy looked like, fair enough
0: fair enough but, <laughs> but so so the trailers look terrible because they're like it, it feels uh-huh. like a um like a musical biopic sure. it feels like the type of movie that like walk hard would have made fun of but for like and when, the when corporate you have world, ben you know?
1: affleck and matt damon back together again it feels like you're you're joking us like are you punking us <laughs> with this trailer that but, that said yeah. uh all the
0: reviews have been rapturously positive so jeff canada i am so curious mm-hmm.
2: what did you think of air did you like this movie? I did. I did like it. Um I it it, it I suspect you will not. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> I it 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 falls directly in the category of does it add anything to what I already know? Uh-huh. And I would submit that the answer is likely for you a no. Mm-hmm. Um because the pre- I mean again, <laughs> I guess this could be could be considered a spoiler, but uh, which it isn't. It isn't. Everybody, there's, you can't be alive on this planet and not know <laughs> that Michael Jordan has shoes made by Nike, right? Um, <laughs> but the, the, right, right. So you know the ending. So can they make, the, do they
0: make it interesting, right? Th- yeah. The
2: entire question this movie raises is are they going to give this guy a lot of money? <laughs> are they going to give Michael uh-huh. Jordan uh-huh. a whole bunch of money? Uh huh. And it uh-huh. turns out, guys, I don't want to spoil anything. What? They give him a whole lot of money. What um, not since Argo what? have received this amount of attention in a film. Now that is a very flimsy thing upon which to hang a film. Uh, the the reason I came away having liked it is that the movie is fun. It it revels in again. I, these are things that I think might be off putting to either of you guys, but mostly Dave. <laughs> Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. It revels in its 1984ness. Mm-hmm. I I would challenge anybody to find a movie, any movie ever, <laughs> that has more recognizable needle drops than mm-hmm. this movie does. Have you seen Tetris yet? No, I have not. Is it the same <laughs> thing?
1: Just another 80s movie filled with te- needle drops, it, yeah. it, dude. I the
2: the yeah, whole, yeah. I don't know how much the budget was for just licensed music, but it is wall-to-wall recognizable 80s needle Mm -hmm. drops in air but and also that's what i go to
1: movies for you know yeah there are also like
2: sequences where they literally just show you like a rubik's cube a pac-man machine uh uh uh, cindy lopper you know it's like it's like transitions between scenes are literally like (laughs) just like hey remember the 80s but okay I,
0: Everything you're saying so far sounds like a nightmare. By the way, exactly. Yeah, this yeah. is why I think you're yeah. going to loathe
2: this movie. <laughs> I was, I enjoyed that. I, I, I was born in the eight. I mean, I was born. You know, I lived through the eighties. I enjoyed that. It's a little, or as on the, the kids notes.
0: are calling it these days, Jeff, the late nineteen hundreds. Um, yes, yes go, indeed. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Um,
2: but, but really, the joy of this movie is, is that there are some really lovely performances, particularly. Um, um who, is it Vi- Viola Davis? Viola Davis. Yeah, right? Viola Davis plays Michael Jordan's mom. And she's always amazing. She's particularly amazing here. And for a movie that is ostensibly like, get him in the door because we're talking about Michael Jordan. It's not about Michael Jordan. It's about Michael Jordan's mom. And I thought that was a pretty amazing way to look at it. And it it elevates her to mythical status in the way that he's... Uh, mythical, and she's amazing. You, n- it, it, they do a very interesting thing with Michael Jordan. You never see his face. They, the, you never see Michael Jordan's face. They cast somebody as him, but the camera never see. Yeah. It does that thing where like somebody is always just walking by, or there's a piece of furniture that just obscures his face, <laughs> uh-huh. um, which is an interesting take. And I, the, I, think, I think it makes sense because
0: it's like that guy is one of the most recognizable faces on the planet, right? Cast yeah. anybody yeah.
2: as him, <laughs> yeah. Also, yeah. because they use stock footage of him frequently, so right, yeah, you'd either yeah, be yeah, doing amazing. lots of like digital yeah. face replacement, or They're doing yeah. the Austin Powers penis
1: hiding gag, exactly. With, yeah. <laughs> Jordan's with Michael Jordan's face, <laughs> Michael Jordan's face is the penis in this yeah. case. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting, and you, you, you like you hear him say almost nothing in the movie. It, it's about his mom. And I thought that was kind of cool because that's not, I don't think many people know about her and the movie makes a big deal about her. And I think it's cool. And Viola Davis is awesome. The other reason I like it is because not once, multiple times in the movie, Matt Damon makes stirring, inspirational speeches that are well-written that I that made me cry. Uh, and I I welled up with tears numerous times in just sort of like It's a movie that's sort of um, exalting greatness, and you know, sort of standing in awe of impressive people. You know, and Michael Jordan is that, right? Um, And I think it 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 is eloquent in its expression of that, and that made the movie worthwhile for me. It is a very slight movie, and again, literally the entire premise is. Are they going to give this guy money? <laughs> Are they going to give him money? It turns out they gave him a lots of money.
1: What? Uh, yeah, they okay. should really have you on the marketing team, Jeff. It's a
0: really <laughs> selfless movie. Yeah, but, I mean, honestly, that's a at least that's an honest pitch
1: for the yeah, movie. Yeah. I, I just I the <laughs> it should tre- just be Ben Affleck staring at the camera. Come on, guys, we've all seen biopics before. This one's about Michael Jordan. Okay?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah, interesting yeah. thing they do. It, I mean. Again, this is this is a reason that I think you are going to loathe this movie, Dave, if you see it. Uh-huh. Is they don't pretend to not know the future.
0: Right. Right. Every, I, I the, sense lots, like lots of like winking at the camera, even in the trailer. The, like, yeah, the, like there's, the, a, there's a moment in the trailer where Matt Damon's like, "I think we'll call them Air Jordans." You know, there, like, there's a beat. There's also I'm a just beat like I hate of like this so much, yeah. you know. Uh, anyway, well, go like Jeff.
2: everybody's predictions about Michael Jordan are shockingly accurate. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you <laughs> go out to say "fuck them kids." Yeah, yeah. The, and, and there are moments where in the movie where it like. People will be talking about what Michael Jordan might be able to do. And then it shows you the footage, the real footage of him having done that. And it's like, well,
1: yeah. I don't believe what, what is that. This,
0: what is this? Aaron Sorkin's The Newsroom?
1: <laughs> it just feels what, like I don't you, Are believe... you saying there's
2: no critical lens on Michael Jordan's
1: career from this movie, Joe? No,
2: no, oh. no uh it's not about michael jordan it's not Mm. about michael jordan it's about people believing the thing Uh that you already know is true Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh it's like michael jordan's gonna win i don't know five championships maybe six six you know it's like and then footage of him like holding up his hands with the six it's like it's it's um i blame
1: recap culture for all of this Yeah, (laughs) okay i mean here this is
0: the paradox first of all Air has a 98% Rotten Tomatoes right now. So like everyone loves this movie. I I also like the movie. Every, yeah, no no, I know. Everything you've said about this movie in addition to the trailers makes me think I'm going to hate the movie and also I'm probably still going to go watch this movie.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because
0: yeah. because Ben Affleck is an you know, he's an interesting director in my opinion. I don't like I think Argo has aged very poorly. I didn't like Live by Night, but um Enjoyed the town. Uh, enjoyed Gone Baby Gone. You know, so like he's a director. Those of his- movies
1: were so long ago too. Like, yeah, we did enjoy the town. We <laughs> did, yeah. did enjoy Gone Baby Gone. It's like fifteen yeah. years ago. Yeah,
0: but uh, you know, he he chooses this project selectively. So anyway, Jeff, you liked it. You'd recommend it. Yeah. yeah. Who, who who is this movie for, Jeff? Who, who? I don't know. I don't
2: know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. It, it it is a it is you know I guess it's for somebody like me who's like yeah, yeah I remember. 80s? It's, it's for sneakerheads. <laughs> sneakerheads need more of the culture. So. All right.
0: Well, I'm gonna try to check it out before our uh, episode it next is week.
2: Exactly the thing you you said last week, which is <laughs> I don't believe that any of the conversations mm-hmm. went down like this at right. all. Yes, and yet yes. I still find it. It's it's a it's it's a fable version mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of what this may have been like, <laughs> and in that sense. It's entertaining, like it's it, it's it's sort of um, pat and feel good mm-hmm. in ways that I think you're going to hate. But I was I was in the right mood to be like just be like ah mm-hmm. you know what it's great to feel good about things again. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that shoe that we all
1: bought for no reason because it was That's, way uh, too expensive. Still, I made mine. my parents buy one in the '90s, like for a uh, buy a pair for me. I was like I regret that now. It was eighty dollars in like 1996. It's a bad idea
2: for shoes yeah yeah but it's yeah. like you know it's like you go yeah michael jordan was amazing it's amazing amazing people are amazing and it's amazing yeah. it's amazing to so see money people off of amazing us. if you yeah. had
0: to choose between watching the last dance and this jeff
2: which would you uh, choose oh yeah this a hundred times are you serious i did not enjoy the la- oh no the last day I-, I thought you were talking about uh the last um the movie with ben affleck and matt damon that i did not like Oh, The Last uh, Duel. The Last no, no, Duel. No, no, no. That's what I, I thought you were asking. I, me about. I love The Last
0: Duel, but I was talking about the Michael Jordan No, The Last documentary. Dance is far
2: superior in every <laughs> yeah. conceivable fashion. Yes. <laughs> the Last Dance is not even in the same sports league. <laughs> the Last Dance is a work of art. Yeah. yeah this is, yeah. This is a, a, a pretty entertaining movie, I thought.
0: Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's air. It'll be out in theaters next week. And as you may have gathered, it is not going to be our main review, um, but uh, I will probably be talking about it during what we'll be watching. We'll see. And that is what Jeff Catalano has been watching this week. Let's take a break. Talk about a sponsor. We'll be right back with more. Uh, what we've been watching right after this. Okay, I had a chance to watch a few things. Uh, you know, guys, um, I I knew we had a really packed month of stuff to watch. Like, I'm probably going to go to the theater more times this month than I have in the previous six months. You know, in, in any of the previous six months. Um, but uh, so I wanted to watch some stuff that. It, it, like might be good, but that you probably haven't heard of. Okay, so that was that was my goal this this week. Um, so first up, I watched a new documentary called Big Ma- Big Mac Gangster und Gold or Big Mac <laughs> Gangster und Gold. Title. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a German it's a German film German film.
2: Usually, it's you a, get either gangster or gold, but have und gold. <laughs> It is a documentary
0: about Donald Stelvog. And picture this guy. This is this is the premise of the documentary. Okay, this is what this is what happens. So Donald, Donald Stelvog is a tall, obese man. Uh, and one day, decades ago, uh, a robbery happens, right? A robbery occurs. Uh somebody goes into a bank and robs a bank and escapes. And Donald Stelvog uh, looks kind of like the guy that did the robbery. He is also tall and obese, like the guy who did the robbery. And, but Donald Stelvog was many, many miles away at the time of the robbery. He has alibi witnesses that can say he was at the other place. Um, but nobody believes him at trial. And they bring in this guy who is an ear expert. And he's like, look, I have, I can compare Donald Stelvog's ear with the ear of the guy in the video at the bank. Where do Every you find ear, these things?
1: Dave? Ears what? are like fingerprints, <laughs> you see. What are you talking about?
0: Ears are like fingerprints. <laughs> Everyone has a unique ear.
1: And so me this, a stroke
0: right now. This ear expert comes in and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, Donald Stelvog's ear is like the guy in the videos. And therefore, he must have been there. Is and he Donald in the room Stelvog- with us right now,
1: Dave?
2: This, is, is Dave ear Dave just, in the room with us right now? Yeah. Dave's just <laughs> describing a dream he had.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so then Donald Stelvog goes to jail for nine years for a robbery he did not commit. Mm. Okay, because of this ear expert that wow,
2: comes nine in. Nine y- ears.
0: <laughs> wow, Jeff, that was pretty, pretty rough. Um okay but anyway uh I, I should point out he's not an ear he's not like ex like exclusively an ear expert he's like nose forensic... and throw. probably nose
2: and throat <laughs> as well
0: <laughs> he's like a forensic you know whatever uh a forensic assembler or something like basically he can go and tell you if a guy in the video is the same as this other person
2: in real life like that's his I, whole job evidently not
0: like, well that's the thing he obviously freaking sucks at his job <laughs> Um, but anyway, as a result, Donald Spellvog goes to jail for nine years, right? And he comes out and then his life is completely devastated. Like, you know, he, uh, spent a lot of that time in solitary confinement, according to him. Um, and then decades later, decades after he went to jail. Uh, so, so, okay. I, I should point out, obviously, because of the way I'm talking about it, he is exonerated. Like it comes out. That he didn't do the crime, right? Somebody else did the crime.
2: Somebody else's ear was more accurate. So,
0: that's right. Um, somebody else basically confessed to that crime. And he had that person who confesses had done many similar crimes to that robbery. And so it was He's, clearly like that person's MO, right?
2: Would would you say that he had been earmarked for the crime, Dave?
0: I absolutely would not, Jeff. So anyway, uh donald stelvog is cleared of the he's like he's completely exonerated right as a result okay decades after donald stelvog goes to jail a, a gold heist takes place in which donald stelvog is implicated again and in which uh. he also denies responsibility <laughs> and basically that is kind of the premise of this documentary was it like, the same been- guy Yes. What, what, what do you mean? Is the same the oh, same no, no, guy that the other guy? The other guy went to jail already, so it's not, oh, it's not the same guy. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah.
2: a whole bunch of tall obese men
0: doing crimes. No, 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 no. It was just it was just this one time that one guy. But like, there's another robbery in which he's implicated, and so it's like, wow, we already effed up the first time by sending this guy to jail for nine years. Like, how is that gonna unfold? Uh, and this is the
2: movie Double Jeopardy. Is what this movie is?
0: No, it's
2: not. No? Double okay.
0: Jeopardy is for the same crime. You can't go to jail for the same crime. Even the, even the movie Double Jeopardy, by the way, was wrong.
2: I've because never seen that movie. The,
0: the, the <laughs> premise of Double Jeopardy is this wo- the movie Double Jeopardy with Ashley Judd is this woman gets convicted of murdering her husband, <laughs> but her husband faked it. And yeah. then so the woman gets so she out can of jail. Actually murder him. And then she's like, oh, I'm going to actually murder you because I can't go to jail for this crime that I've right. already got. The problem with that is that uh, it would have been a different crime, a different incident. And so she could have gone to jail for actually killing her husband again. But anyway, point I never being, saw that
2: movie, but I did read the poster.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you did glance at the poster. You got it, yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's the premise of this movie, this documentary. And how I would describe this documentary, which I wrote about on Netflix, uh, I'm sorry, on uh, Letterboxd, is this is like you go to a bar and there's a guy there who is amazing at telling a story. He's weaves a thrilling yarn and also, he is a raging asshole to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's like, would you find that annoying? Probably. Mm. But you'd also be impressed to some degree. Um, the, the the closest example I can think of without spoiling anything is, remember when we reviewed the god-awful documentary, There Is No Eye in Threesome? Do you guys remember well, when we talked about that? Unfortunately. You guys talked about it. Oh, Yeah. yeah.
2: I loathed well, that
0: movie. This movie, Big Mac Gangsters und Gold, on Netflix, pulls similar narrative tricks, I'll just say. And uh and I found it to be quite interesting. I found it to be quite interesting. Uh I think it's an interesting documentary that tells told me a story I didn't know about, but that also invited me to interrogate the format of the documentary in general, which I actually think is is a positive. I, I love documentaries that go meta, personally. Like I loved them. Um, My Kid Could Paint That. That's a great documentary that goes meta. A bunch of other documentaries that go meta. Uh, Capturing the Freedmans, I'd argue, goes a little meta. Anyway, I love documentaries that go meta. Big Mac Gangster Unt Gold goes meta. and I recommend you check it out.
2: (laughs) My favorite thing about this is we've been talking for 10 minutes about the premise of this movie, and nothing leads me to Big Mac Gangster Unt Gold. (laughs)
0: as the title you
2: mean yes it, yeah it, it,
1: <laughs> there's no,
0: nothing you've said yeah. Yeah. references any yeah. of those words indeed well you got to watch the the documentary yeah. on netflix to find out what the hell i'm talking about All right. so anyway that is one thing i've been watching this week um so i i start i i did this thing where i was browsing netflix i was trying to think of like what is the what is a thing i can talk about on what we've been watching this week and There's a lot of stuff that's on my list of stuff I want to watch. Like There's a bunch of uh, South Korean stuff I want to watch uh, on Netflix, like The Glory Mm -hmm. and The Call. There's a bunch of things. So I'm going to get to those. But in the meantime, I watched a thriller called Coming Home in the Dark uh, that is available on Netflix by director James Ashcroft. This is a movie that uh, was made in New Zealand. And I would say this is an incredibly depressing, dark thriller about what happens when a man and his family on vacation are taken hostage by some drifters. Uh, And what I really enjoyed, you know, Jeff Kanata, you'll understand this. This is a movie I had never heard about prior to seeing it on Netflix. And I've seen a lot of thrillers, you know, and watching this movie, I had absolutely no idea what was going to happen next. Isn't that joyous? Um, Isn't yeah, that wonderful? It's, it's a cool experience. Uh, I don't know any of these actors. You know, I don't know any of the like. I have no yeah. expectations of this movie. Um, I have seen a lot of negative reviews about this movie. Seeing saying like, oh, it's kind of like torture porn. It's kind of like really long and drawn out and repetitive. Um, I personally thought overall it's a pretty solid thriller. And one of the things that distinguishes it is it was shot in New Zealand, and New Zealand is just a really beautiful place to shoot a thriller. A lot of the movie takes place outside.
2: It's like, what if a family was abducted by hobbits?
0: (laughs) You are just on fire today, Jeff. (laughs) You are just on fire today. But yes, it's uh, it's beautiful cinematography, great performances, ultra, ultra dark that will leave you feeling very depressed about the nature of humanity. But I gotta say, a solid thriller, personally. Um, And the fact that you don't know any of these people, and you're you're coming to this probably with no expectations. Um, I I did think added to it for me. So coming home in the dark is streaming right now on Netflix. I'd recommend you check it out. It's not like the greatest thrill I've ever seen or anything, but it has enough things to recommend it that if you are looking to be upset, <laughs> <laughs> if you are looking to be, is that your you Netflix, Netflix uh, category is, now? <laughs> if you are looking to have your anxiety provoked. Then you should check out Coming Home in the Dark on Netflix. The
1: Upsetting and Disturbing Collection on Netflix. That's right,
0: that's right. So Coming Home in the Dark is the name of the movie. Finally, I watched a movie while I was working out this week (laughs) called Fly Paper, a 2011 film directed by Rob Minkoff. Have you guys heard of this movie? No. No? No. (laughs) This is a movie I had never heard of. I found it on Prime Video, and it is written by the guys who did The Hangover. Okay, uh-huh. Uh, and it came out in 2011. It was a great movie to watch while I was working out. I will just put it that way. It's not It, it has an amazing cast. Patrick Dempsey, Ashley Judd, as we just discussed, Tim Blake Nelson, Mackay Pfeiffer, Jeffrey Tambor. they're all in this movie, right? Um, and it's about what happens when two bank robbers show up at one bank at the same time basically like, mm. and,
1: uh, I've always wondered. That's yeah. A always wondered. It's a funny idea. It's
0: a funny idea. And I originally thought it was going to be like kind of about that. I, that, that concept. And it is, it is about that concept, but it's also becomes like a, a kind of a whodunit about why it is that these two bank robbery parties hit this bank at the same time. And, and it, it kind of becomes a mystery about that. Um, it's fun watching these actors, The movie feels like it's from the '80s or '90s in terms of its humor. Like, um, there's a lot of like uh, prison rape jokes in here. There's a lot of jokes about um, there's this one woman who's just her whole job in the movie is to look hot and not say anything. Like that's kind of her role in the you know stuff stuff that feels like wow this feels very regressive. Um, Mm -hmm. But. Uh, at the same time, hey, the cast is great. They're having fun, you know, and uh, it's kind of a fun premise and kind of a fun movie. And I've never seen a movie like this. It's, it's kind of like a jokey version of Inside Man. You know, it's kind of like yeah. a fun, jokey version of Inside Man that if you put it on on a plane, you know, if you
1: watch it on a plane or watch it on your on your elliptical. I don't think you would <laughs> have a bad time i I like the idea of you perusing streaming sites, just digging for gold yeah, like that is your that, that is your what yes, you do now absolutely
0: yeah. absolutely so that's fly paper also terrible title for the movie <laughs> yeah. um but uh fly paper is a is from the two thousand eleven uh collection on Amazon prime video. those are some random things I've been watching this week, but I have to say like uh the Big Mac and Coming Home in the Dark, those are things I would like uh, solid recommend. Flypaper is a very marginal <laughs> recommend. Um, but it's just it's also just fascinating to me watching these movies that I think like a lot of work was put into this. This movie looks very expensive or relatively expensive, even though it all takes place in one location. And just no one has ever heard of him. You know? Makai Pfeiffer, super talented actor. No one has ever heard of this movie that he's in. It's sad. And so therefore, I'm using my position here on the filmcast to say Hey, consider watching Flypaper on your Peloton this week.
1: All those folks are going <laughs> to see their residuals hit for that movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. But Kai Pfeiffer is going to get 30 cents because of this recommendation on the film cast. And I'm happy about that. Yeah. I'm happy about that.
1: Divin, your Hardware, what have you watched this week? Well, after learning about Ryuichi Ryu Sakamoto's death, I went and rewatched uh, the documentary about him, uh, so, uh, Ryuichi Sakamoto Kodo, Koda. It is directed by Stephen Nomura Shibble. And uh, you know, I saw this movie back when it came out. I forget if I mentioned it here, but it just it does hit a little different now that he's actually gone. I think it is a great encapsulation of uh, of his genius and just how he was somebody who saw the world a little differently, um, and he always had like a strong point of view, right? the The movie opens up with him exploring the aftermath of the Fukushima. Um, you know, nuclear meltdown and him just like perusing the space. Uh, the opening scene is him playing a piano that was flooded and him just trying to like, trying to find like some sound from this thing, this remnant of a major disaster. It also covers like him protesting against turning nu- uh, nuclear energy back on in Japan. It's a beautiful film. And I think if you want to get a sense of like why people revere this guy so much. And uh, if you just like, enjoy movies about, Artists who have very distinct worldviews and who are you know successful enough not to worry about other things, you know like he he is a super successful man. he's a sort of guy there's a story about him uh there's a Japanese restaurant he loved in uh in New York, but he hated the playlist, so he was like i gotta I gotta fix this." So he may, he, he selected, you know, he catered a playlist of music for, for them to play just so he could have better music while he was eating, but also to to help everybody who goes to that restaurant. Huge flex, huge flex, flex. but I love it. I I am Ryuichi Sakamoto. I can do this. You can find that playlist. (laughs) It's like collected on Spotify right now. Some bangers in there, some Cliff Martinez Some like Mm. really good stuff. Love it. just a man of taste, a man of like immense talent, and I think this movie—it's one of those things. It—it it, it is, I think, deeply hopeful and deeply meaningful. And maybe you'll get something out of it if you've never heard of him before, or if you're a fan, it's worth watching. Koda.
0: All right. Uh, and how did you watch that, Dvirud? Just so I—I just, uh, I, just
1: I bought it on iTunes. They're, you okay. know, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I searched around, um, but it's—it's it's worth a buy. It's worth a rental for sure.
0: All right. Uh, that's Ryuichi Sakamoto's Coda. It's available on video on demand. And that is what we've been watching this week. Let's get to weekly plugs. We're gonna do weekly plugs. Let's weekly plugs. Weekly, plugs. Let's do weekly, plugs.
2: weekly plugs. 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 Let's do weekly plugs. 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 I like it when you use the long version
0: I know, yeah, people have been requesting see. the long version So I'm like, <laughs> let's throw in the long version into the mix this week So, of course, Weekly Plugs music comes from Noah Ross And Weekly Plugs is the segment each week where we plug something else we've been making uh, I want to plug a podcast called Decoding Reality Which has, what's under tens of listeners? Singles? <laughs> <laughs> it has singles of listeners uh at decodingreality.tv but basically uh it is a podcast where we cover reality television my wife and i are currently covering love is blind season four which is taking place in seattle previously justin jordan and deja have covered the bachelor season 27 on that podcast feed they've done a great job um but yeah decoding reality we're covering love is blind and uh i'm really enjoying these chats about some of the unhinged behavior that is taking place on that TV show on Netflix. So check it out at decodingreality.tv. Uh and there's a couple more episode drops for Love is Blind this Season. We'll be covering them all. your Hardware, your weekly plug.
1: Oh yeah. I wrote a piece over at Engadget uh, about Drew Carey, the comedian who recently used AI to make his radio show. I think I mentioned part of this last week. Uh, but I actually got to chat with him and we had a really good discussion about you know how he started playing around with it and why he was like intrigued by it so my interview it's called drew carey made a radio show with ai fans weren't pleased because people immediately were like what the hell is this um i have a clip of his ai voice in the article as well so go check it out i think it's interesting and uh, you know drew carey's a guy who strikes me he's very geeky he likes to experiment with things and he is like not afraid of like where ai is going um but also like i don't know i don't know if everybody will agree with him uh, or is like as nonchalant about it as he is he just loves playing with it so check out my interview at gadget
0: yeah and uh i do want to recommend you check out that interview i also want to recommend you check out the uh after dark where we've been talking Mm -hmm. a lot about ai recently and i I created a fake ai podcast using my fake AI voice and Davindra and Jeff's fake AI voices, and you can listen to that at patreon.com slash film podcast and decide whether we will be replaced by machines anytime soon. Jeff Kanata, your weekly plug.
2: I do a video game podcast called DLC. Uh, This week's episode was a big one. Uh, We had a guest on. He goes by technique on the interwebs. His name is Frank Ellerby, voiceover artist, uh, streamer, uh, all around cool dude. Uh, And it was a big week because we were talking a lot about the death of E3, which was recently canceled for 2023. Yeah, man. Uh, eulogizing E3 uh, and and talking about the future of the industry. Uh, it's a pretty interesting discussion. We also talk about some really cool uh, games and uh, go deep on VR. I talk about. Uh, Diver, did you did you get a chance to check out the Vive XR Elite headset?
1: I've not checked that one out yet but it seems interesting.
2: I yeah. uh I impulse bought that and literally just uh returned oh it today. Returned yeah. it. <laughs> Dude,
1: do, do not buy VR headsets right now, people. Just wait. Just wait. Yeah, I was gonna, I, I was going to ask you guys, you
0: know, I've been thinking of I've been getting more into PC gaming recently mm-hmm. and I've been thinking like should I get a VR headset right now? Cuz cuz I looked up you the can vi- get a used I looked up Quest the Index too. I looked yeah. at the Index and I was like I don't I, think you I, want the I, index. I have yeah. a Quest Two. It's fine, but like yeah. I was like, what is the highest fidelity experience? And the Index still costs like a thousand dollars. something something. Like that. So I was like, it's still great hardware. I like the Indexes. I love my, it my Index. Is good. I, yeah. Have, I, yeah. Do you have a Do you have a recommended headset at this point? Or Davindra, you're saying don't buy them, right?
2: For so. PC, it's yeah. hard to it's hard to say anything other than the Quest Two, just because it's the most mm-hmm. affordable, yeah. easiest, has all the the Meta uh, exclusive software available too, and you can plug it into your PC and play the you know, Steam stuff. I I use on PC I use my Index exclusively. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't really even touch my uh my Quest 2 unless I'm playing exclusive stuff on it. Um I love the Index. I thought the Vive XR Elite was going to replace my Index because I wanted to take down my external sensors. Yeah, the sensors, no. yeah.
1: You need you need them for the well, best stuff. Yeah. I thought
2: it was going to be a higher fidelity experience. It it is much no. more comfortable. I mean not light years more comfortable it, it's mm-hmm. an impressively comfortable the vive uh, xr elite but uh not better fidelity wise than my index in fact i prefer the index so that's why i returned it uh, i'm still waiting for something that's going to outdo the index i think the psvr2 Mm -hmm. is better than the index, but you can't play it into a PC. You can't play
0: PC games, yeah. Hopefully that'll change
1: one day. I hope they, like, somebody hacks it, because Sony is doing more VR stuff, and they should just, like, just do it. Just do it, Sony. I think Sony should
2: do it as well. In fact, I predicted that they would. It it seems like that prediction is not going to come true. I've been reading a lot of the the, the guys that uh, hacked the PSVR 1 to work on Mm -hmm. PC says it's basically impossible Impossible. to do the two. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So that's discouraging. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's a shame. Um, I, I would say it, it is not worth investing too much because there's going to be a lot of new stuff coming out. I feel like the whole landscape is changing too. Yeah. Apple, the index Apple if you get likely
0: to use. announce a headset this year as yeah, well. But yeah, but not, that's
1: not something anybody... Th- that's for coders and professionals. You know, like people keep saying like, this thing may be $3,000. It's not for you. It's not for you to dick around in VR. It's for people <laughs> to make the thing so that when Apple has something under like $1,500, then you will actually have software to use on it you know, so we, we, it's a stepping stone
2: probably. But I I want to dick around with it.
1: You can, you can, you certainly can. Dave, you (laughs) could probably find the index used and Mm -hmm. just like replace the face mask things. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's fine. uh,
2: Yeah. I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought I was going to sell my index because I got the Vive XR elite, but man, it, it, it was not superior in my
1: opinion. And uh, you want the tra- if you want the best like room tracking you need the sensors because if they're if you're just using the sensors on the headset you don't get like full body stuff. It's only what the sensors can see. So can't see behind you, you know, can't see certain things. The
2: bu- the bummer about telling yeah. people to wait is that the more people wait the <laughs> The the more people say that the market is failing and then nobody wants to make stuff for it. It's like,
1: well, uh, there's probably a Quest 3 coming later this year. That is that is the rumor. So, yeah, that would be the thing. to But
2: Supposedly, you know, people are Bloomberg was saying that PSVR 2 only sold 300,000 units its first month. It's too
1: expensive. Like, I don't know what Sony is doing. Like, Sony should have eaten some of that cost and just been like, you know, get it under 500 so people can actually try to get it. It's a shame. Yeah, it's
2: a shame because it's so good. Mm hmm.
0: All right, well, check anyway, out Jeff's... Anyway, DLC. Yeah, DLC podcast. 5
2: by TV slash <laughs> DLC uh, uh, is where you can find uh, that podcast. Uh, new episodes, I think, uh, done good. And uh, um, you can you can check it out uh, anywhere you get podcasts.
0: And of course, you can always support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash film podcast and uh, sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive After Darks. Again, we got Go, the Doug Lemon film, film for you this week. Evil Dead retrospectives coming up in weeks later this month a lot of great stuff for you of course we never want you to donate if in any way causes you financial hardship you can always support us for free leave a star rating or review for us share about us on your social media follow us on uh your twitter's your instagrams uh your youtubes it really does help so thanks to everyone who listens who supports us with money or who supports us with their time and energy we really appreciate it let's get into our review of dungeons and dragons honor among thieves
2: truth be told we helped the wrong person steal the wrong thing. We didn't mean to unleash the greatest evil the world has ever known. But we're gonna fix it. So how do we pull that off? Uh.
1: Figure it out over a drink? Probably best. You need To
2: then give us a fighting chance, we're gonna need strength. You got this, right? I know you don't. We also need courage. Back to school! Magic. And you.
0: Welcome to the Filmcast's review of Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. A charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers embark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic. End quote. Dungeons & Dragons is a franchise that has had, let's say, a mixed record when it comes to big screen adaptations. Specifically, the 2000 Courtney Solomon movie was...
1: Which was a trilogy. There were three of those.
0: Yes, it was not reviewed particularly well at the time. I think it currently has around a 10% Rotten Tomatoes. And I wanted to read from Roger Ebert's review of Dungeons & Dragons, which was published in December of 2000. Dungeons & Dragons look like they threw away the game and photographed the box it came in. (laughs) It's an amusing movie to look at in its own odd way, but close your eyes and the dialogue sounds like an overwrought junior high school play. The plot does not defy description, but it discourages it. (laughs) Imagine a kingdom that looks half the time like a towering fantasy world of spires and turrets, castles and drawbridges, and the other half, like everyone, is standing around in the wooded area behind Sam's... Behind Sam's... Excuse me. And the other half, like everyone, is standing around in the wooded area behind Sam's Club on the interstate. Imagine some characters who seem ripped from the pages of action comics, and other characters who look like their readers. Imagine arch elevated medievalese alternating with contemporary slang. The disconnects are so strange that with a little more effort, they could have become a style. End quote. Uh, so, not a not a property that has had good luck. <laughs> Making it all the way to the big screen in the past. And not only has it had like a mixed track record, but Dungeons and Dragons, the 2000 movie, was widely regarded as an awful film like it's not just like oh yeah. they didn't ca- quite capture it correctly you know it's like the one movie of the worst things
1: that has ever been in front of my eyes let me put it that way. <laughs> like it is the story behind that movie i don't know if there's like a documentary about it but the, i think the idea is that uh courtney solomon was like was a teenager who was like hounding you know the company behind dungeons dragons for like the rights for a long time he sort of finagled it eventually and like came up with a script and they he wanted it to be a 100 million dollar fantasy action movie it ended up being a 3.5 million dollar you know direct-to-video fantasy movie produced by joel silver and he had to direct it because nobody else would so yeah was so, a different not a time yeah different the, time. you know
2: nerd culture wasn't everything then yeah mm-hmm. you know
1: so given
0: this Devendra, i am curious if you think this outing has been more successful than that one when it comes uh, to dungeon, literally anything would be more <laughs> successful than that outing,
1: you know um, uh, no, I, I think this movie is a miracle. This movie is a complete blast and uh, you know comes from John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein who did Game Night, which I know you love Jeff. Love. and uh, they did that vacation reboot as well that I think they both also helped write Spider-Man homecoming. so like they they've had all sorts of stuff. I remember seeing John Francis Daly on Freaks and Geeks and on Freaks and Geeks. They play Dungeons and Dragons. And <laughs> so wild to think that, that that, that I think was like the first time on national TV. We also saw people playing Dungeons and Dragons or really any tabletop role-playing game. Um, wild to see that trajectory of him getting to make this live. I believe there's some references to Freaks and Geeks people like in, in this movie too. So love that for John Francis Daly. I think this movie is a complete blast. Like it is everything. It feels like a really good campaign run by a very, very competent and experienced DM. And that's kind of what you want. And I don't know if that translates as well to general audiences, because so much of this movie is fetch quests. Like you go meet this person, you go get this thing, which is how most campaigns kind of kind of end up going. Uh, there's even one character here who I feel like is a very like prototypical um, NPC, right? And uh, the, the sort of like shining example of a character a DM would create to just have a ton of fun. I think the Richie Jean-Page paladin character is very much that. All these little nods and all these little references to the world of d and I think, are just fascinating. I haven't played as much as you, Jeff. Like, it was mainly in college for me and shortly after. But man, I, I would spend six to eight hours, you know, around a table with friends doing these things. So I think this movie captures that quite well. Um, I love all the characters. Love that it gives, you know, again, Michelle Rodriguez time to shine, too, and some, like, great as a great role as a barbarian. Um, I, th- I think it's just a ton of fun. Like I love everything about this movie. I think the one maybe downside is that it does literally start off with another dead wife trope, um, a wife character who doesn't even speak like before <laughs> she literally exists. And she's a black woman who just, you look at her, oh, she's dead now she's motivation. And I feel like that is a thing we can be moving beyond in the year 2023. But beyond that, like I think this movie is a, is a full, like full home run. Awesome.
0: Well, Jeff Kanata, as a dungeon master yourself, I am so curious what you thought of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves.
2: I guess you could say what I thought of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Hmm. Good D&D flicks? There weren't any. Is there stuff to like here? There's plenty. In Rolling Film, they've Finally passed their save, but it wasn't a natural 20. Ooh, okay. I I like this film a lot. I had a ton of fun like you did, Davindra. I would not classify it as a home run or a crit to use the parlance of D&D, <laughs> uh, but it's darn close. It's a triple, right? It's, for me, it's a triple. It's not a home run. Um, mostly what I thought could have been better is the the... The chemistry of the of the team, uh, and that's a hard thing to quantify. Yeah, but yeah. it didn't feel like Guardians of the Galaxy to me. It didn't feel like whatever other example of a ensemble that you just feel like meshes and complements one another, and you're having fun with all the individual characters. I liked each individual character's little thing, and all of them have a little thing, and oftentimes very fun. I didn't think they meshed together well. As a unit. Um, and, and it's hard for me to explain exactly why. It just didn't work 100% for mm-hmm. me. Um, but there's that. so much fun stuff. I actually think the second half of this movie is better than the first half, uh, which is rare in, in movies. Usually it's much easier to make a great first act than it is a great third act. And I think the the second half of this movie, it really kicks into high gear Yes, and you're having so much fun. And there's so many clever ideas. I can't wait to talk about some of them in spoilers, but there's really clever, fun stuff. And honestly, as somebody that has played a ton of Dungeons and Dragons has a show with, you know, 450 hours of, of D and D that you could watch right now on YouTube by searching for the dungeon run. If you were so inclined to do that, Um good idea, I think probably if you wanted to, um, but as somebody who you know is is steeped in this game and, and 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 the the kind of the culture around it, I think the hardest thing to do is to get the tone of D and D, which is often wildly oscillating between serious, intense, dramatic, and goofy, irreverent, and yeah. fun. And the movie does that. It nails that dichotomy that is Dungeons & Dragons, because when you're sitting around with your friends, you want to be invested in saving the world or whatever it is that you're trying to do. But also everybody's making a joke and you're goofing off and there's fun things. And when he, somebody misses a role, something goofy and wacky happens. And that's part of it, right? It's It's these two sides of that coin that is really hard to do in movies because oftentimes the goofy stuff undercuts the serious stuff or the serious stuff makes the goofy stuff feel out of place. And to be able to have both of those things at play, I thought was mm-hmm. commendable and really demonstrates an understanding of what D&D is at its core. Uh, I think the movie is more a comedy, more silly. It, it, if you were doing that needle, it's definitely more on the fun, goofy romp side. But like guardians of the galaxy it manages to walk that line pretty darn well and you're Mm -hmm. having a lot of fun with the characters and there's goofy things and there's jokes and there's silliness but also when the you know when it gets dramatic when it gets intense when it gets to an action sequence it's still effective and that was what i was hoping for the most that it wasn't going to be just lord of the rings redux and it wasn't going to be a complete send up of D and D that it was going to be somewhere in the middle and be able to do both of those things. And it did. And to that, for that, I'm like super mm-hmm. happy with the movie. There's tons of great lore drops and, you know, Easter eggs. If you know, if you're steeped in the player's handbook and all the supplements, if you're
1: steeped in the eighties cartoon, like there's a sweet, Oh, there's a great there. bit yeah. of, from
2: the eighties cartoon. And I, I, I loved seeing that. Um, And, and all of the kind of, iconic Wizards of the Coast TM D&D stuff um, is in there, right? There's They they make nods to all of the things, even goofy things that you expect to see from something that's trademarked Dungeons and & Dragons and not just fantasy series uh, generic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, so it's a ton of fun. It just didn't reach that, like, transcendent level yeah, that I would put like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie on mm-hmm. uh, just because it didn't feel like the chemistry was as effective.
1: I, I hear that. I feel like, you know, I see Chris Pine in this. I'm like, OK, I can buy you as Kirk. Right. You seem like really into that. And now it's like. You're a handsome guy playing the lead in a Dungeons and Dragons movie, but you're, you're not Vin Diesel, right? You don't, you don't understand the lore. You don't got a tattoo on your arm of a character you've played for 10 years, you know? Um, Jeff, I'm wondering, like, do you think the aim for, like, mainstream maybe hurt this movie a bit? Because I do think it, it is weird to have a party of all humanoids. That is a weird thing for any yeah. D&D campaign.
2: A, yeah, I think you're right. It's 100% a D&D movie for people that didn't know they love D&D, and it has enough stuff for the built-in D&D loving audience to be like, "Ah, oh, cool, they it's talking to me." But it never it never like explicitly speaks to the game. It it is always I think a mainstream big budget movie first and, you know, based on a property second. And I don't know if that hurts it or helps it. I think it's probably yeah. going to help it to have more success. I hope, um,
1: if there's a follow-up, I hope it goes even harder, you know? I agree. Yeah. Uh
0: I liked Chris Pine in this movie. I thought he's like a solid leading man and he's fine. Was... he is
1: a good Chris Pine leading man. Like that's it. <laughs> he's, he's a good Chris. He's <laughs> yeah. a
0: good as opposed to as opposed to what Stephen drove kind of curious what you meant by that statement. Ben Diesel. Um yeah. but I think uh he, he when he was Captain Kirk in Star Trek it was like wow, this guy is like mm-hmm. the next best thing. That was his breakout. Yeah. And for us. he has had very few roles in my opinion that have really lived up to that. Um and this is one, but this is one of them. This is one of the movies where I really felt the charisma and understood why this guy could be the
2: thing. He has the goods. Uh, way in to my discount opinion.
1: Jack Ryan, Dave.
2: Yeah, and also Wonder Woman's boyfriend,
1: Steve. <laughs> Remember Steve?
2: Steve.
0: Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves opened with thirty-eight million dollars, uh, which is decent. It's not. Awesome, uh you know Creed three and Scream Six both opened with more. It did beat Shazam, so it had more money Yeah, made more money those, than those are also huge um, franchises
1: in comparison yeah
0: um yeah, I, I mean uh John Wick chapter Four opened to seventy million dollars, you know I mean like literally all three of those movies cost a fraction of what those yes. Dragons cost, so like yeah. I am uh, a little worried about it because I do think this movie is really fun, and I would love to see more of them, um, but it does still have a chance because this is one of those movies that I think is going to have great word of mouth and I think is going to sustain over the course of the next few weeks um, because people are having so much fun with it. So uh, I'm hoping that Paramount made a a good bet with it because I really like this movie. Um, I I agree with a bunch of stuff that both of you have said. I think the chemistry between the group is fine. Like that doesn't take away from it for me. But Jeff, I I agree with you about the part where um, the first 30 to 45 minutes was a little bit iffy for me i was like mm-hmm. not laughing at a lot of the jokes and not really sure where any of this was going and there, there's um, a
1: jailbreak that's a lot of fun that mm-hmm. is sort of like the the joke right after that which i won't spoil here well let's let's fun. yeah let's yeah. wait
0: that's what i let's wait until the spoiler so uh but then the second two-thirds of the movie second half of the movie is just awesome because they're just introducing so many cool concepts and using them in cool ways. And the writing is also very thoughtful. It's not just, Hey, we're throwing in a cool idea and that's it. It's like, it also feeds into the characters, into the story. Um, and so I just ended up having a really good time with it. So, mm-hmm. um, but also I feel like my standards for movies might be getting lower as time goes on because
2: <laughs> Do it, you it is now? really
0: refreshing to watch a movie where people actually went to a place and did a thing. You yeah. Know? Uh, thing. And what I mean by that is like in quantum mania, they went to the underworld, they fought a dragon. <laughs> <got laughs> quantum mania. The they, I, do, I did not believe any of those characters were in that place. Now there yeah. is dodgy CG in dungeons and dragons. Like some of the CG is not great, but a lot of the stuff, they actually built sets. They actually <laughs> went to physical places. They actually went outdoors There's they tried a lot of creative stunt work. Yeah. yeah. Some awesome
2: practical creatures too. Yeah. They tried
0: to like combine the CG and the practical and largely I think they achieved it in a way that made me feel like, hey, they actually put in this effort to not just shoot the whole thing on the volume. And that is just really, really appreciated these days. So um, there's one last thing I'll say before we get to spoilers, which is honestly, uh, as you said, Jeff, this movie does lean more heavily on comedy than on the action adventure parts, in my opinion really heavily on comedy it reminds me of comedy movies i used to watch growing up the zucker movies you know sure sure. um leslie nielsen and the naked gun movies really men in uh,
2: tights i don't think it's yeah let let, let me let let me finish what i'm saying
0: let me finish what i'm saying saying. is that uh, first i think it is but i basically what was behind those movies is uh how much work went into one gag Right. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. they would build an entire set or hire 10 actors who dress in a certain way or whatever, just for one joke. And you had to. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens. Many times during the course of the movie, where there is a joke or a gag, and they go to such elaborate lengths to sell the joke that in its like in its own way, like the, the length to which they go to almost becomes part of the joke, right? For the sure. amount of work that goes into it almost becomes part of a joke. I'm not saying I say it's more Princess saying,
1: Bride for me, but yeah,
0: fair enough. I'm not saying like yes. only it's like The Naked Gun or anything like that, mm-hmm. but I think it's like there's enough like kind of one-off quote-unquote one-off gags where like they would construct an entire thing just for this one joke uh and i was just re- i'm very grateful for that it's just like wow like they really want you to have a laugh and they'll go to great lengths to give it to you um so yeah i i, had I agree great with that with
2: but movies, I, yeah. I think i think referencing airplane or the naked gun movies kind of invokes a a sense of sort of stepping out of the reality of mm-hmm. the scene and doing a joke that you know uh
0: Right. Okay. No, Which, the movie never does, you know. Yeah, the movie I, I think that's fair. That's a fair that's a fair yeah. call. I think I, I was referring to those movies just like to the lengths that they would go just for one joke. That's kind yeah. of what I was referring to. But you're right. Totally it is different than those movies. I, I I agree. All right, folks. Why don't we talk about spoilers for Dungeons and Dragons? Honor Among Thieves, starting right now.
2: i thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. compels me, though. I didn't
0: come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die, before I finish, I know how it ends.
1: You can't handle the truth!
2: Inconceivable! I came here
0: to tell you how it's going to begin. So, as you were alluding to, Devendra, uh, loved kind of the opening bit about Jonathan the eagle, or... Bird creature yeah. thing, give us
1: the backstory, but yeah. also what's up with Jonathan? Yeah, so what's up so with funny. Jonathan
0: and Jonathan? Yeah. The reveal that Jonathan is not in on it at all is
2: very good. Um, and they were gonna let him out anyway, they were gonna approve this yeah. thing based Brutal. on the, the the story. It was very, very fun. Yeah, great very,
1: comedic great build and great payoff, like to that yeah. whole thing.
0: It's yeah, yeah, good stuff, good stuff there. Um, but what I loved was all these cool ideas that are introduced towards the end of the movie. I mean, yeah. portals like.
2: So good. The uh, whole sequence of the the portal heist of the oh, of the it's so smart. So it, it's I so, love so that.
0: it's so good because mm-hmm. they introduce the idea of portal. It's almost like in video games, there's this idea of they will introduce a um, a concept like here's how you jump, and then they'll like have you do like an easy version of it, and then like as time goes on, you do like oh now there's double jumps, or here's you can also use the jump to do this or whatever, and it's very kind of similar to how they do it portals in this. Uh, Movie where they introduce the portal, um, and you see how the portal works, and it's like a very easy concept. You put a hole in this, you go the other thing. Yeah, literally the game portal. Yeah, Yeah. right. Then they introduce the portal again, where they actually use it to like get out of a jam. Uh, um, Actually, sorry, um, they use it to uh, put the portal into the carriage for the heist. A portable
1: portal. She
0: goes in, and the gravity changes, and it's so cool, right? I love that. They actually
1: shot that physically. Like there's some behind the scenes stuff floating around Twitter. Like, yeah, amazing.
0: Amazing. So then it's like, okay, wow, that's a really cool, more advanced way of using the portal. Rather than just (laughs) go in, get out, you're like putting it into objects and like, you know, moving objects. And then, um, oh, the portal falls over. And it's like, what are you going to do? How are you going to fix the portal falling over? And then they have a way of getting... And then she figures out a way to uh, overcome that problem uh, and winds up at this location and the even though she doesn't like solve the problem that they're trying to achieve the fact that she was there yeah gives her information that she uses t- for them to like resolve the plot of the a movie perfect so, example
1: of splitting up a party too which you never want to do but maybe <laughs> you're in a jam it's like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna dig a knife here and maybe i could get in there into the portal like so much everything around that character i love her oh, yeah, i love she's, her she's awesome. A, but, she's awesome but i just want to i just yeah. want
0: to reemphasize the point i'm making which is that like yeah. it's it's not just oh here, here's a cool thing. It's a, here's a cool thing. It's very thoughtful mm-hmm. the way they're showing it and and how like it's like gradually becoming more complex. B, there is actual plot character story payoff for the way they used it. It's not just we're using mm-hmm. it as a cool action mechanic. It's like, oh, yeah. it, it led to events taking place that are then important for the plot of the movie. And you compare this to a movie like Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, as an example, where like a whole bunch of Ant Men show up at one point, you know, like, and it's like, okay, it's it's. Like we did fun... introduce
1: the ants early on, but yeah,
0: it's yeah. like a fun thing to. Or uh, no, I'm not talking about the ants. I'm talking about like oh, yeah. when he says like men. 50 Ant Men, yeah. and it's like, okay, that's a cool looking thing, and then it's like, that's it. It's, it's, yeah, it's not really. That, yeah. There's no real payoff narratively for it, and it just feels like so much planning went into this movie to make every single one of these bits
1: pay mm-hmm. off really it's, appreciate it's it. okay. thoughtful thank you for coming to my ted talk okay, yeah go it's the thoughtfulness that <laughs> yeah. i think really hits home like even that tiefling character who okay that, that's another thing like tieflings don't look like that tieflings are supposed to be a little 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 a little freakier right a little more <laughs> demonic looking so I, I do feel like it's weird that this movie tried to make everybody extra humanoid but that whole sequence where she's spying on them and the sorcerer knows it and just like that whole yeah, follow-up like one sequence. it's went to seem like yeah. one long shot where she's trying one to long, escape from it's this mostly thing. cg but it's really yeah. inventive it's really yeah. fun she's always trying different things and it pays off a joke from earlier and i it's it's all those things all those pieces like crescendoing it perfectly and
2: at every turn they make the decision to make the to do the fun thing for the movie rather than the thing that would be authentic to the game because you know, if you spend time, and I have friends uh, we we were talking about this who spent time like trying to think, okay, so how many spell slots have they used? What what level are they? Uh, you know, all the things like if you apply the logic of D D to this world, it doesn't really work. And that's okay. Right. That's okay. I think they made the stronger choice to make the entertaining movie where she can, you know, as a druid, she can polymorph uh, you know, or you know, or not polymorph, but you know, um, what is it, change self, whatever it is, it, over and over and over and over and over again without regard to worrying about h- how it would actually work in the context of a game. And I think that's smart. I think that's the the right choice. Um, and there's enough stuff in in it that references D&D that it, just because it doesn't play exactly like a D&D campaign might, it's okay.
0: Jeff Kanata, I, uh, I am curious. As a dungeon master, what do you think are some of the bigger Easter eggs in Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves that you enjoyed?
2: I mean, I love seeing, you know, the creatures. You you, you get to see, you know, obviously there's, a, there's a, um, a, um, uh, a a whole sequence at the end where you just get to see a whole bunch of creatures right out of the monster manual. The, uh, mm-hmm. um, oh my gosh, the gelatinous cube is fun to see at the end and how they, that plays. I thought the visualization of the gelatinous cube was so cool and awesome and like that whole sequence of like, it's going to burn your skin but we can go in and get, I can get out fast because I can be small. That was all so cool and so clever. Well,
0: I, I have no familiarity with gelatinous cube and they didn't explain gelatinous cube but then the way, it. but the way, yeah, you get it. you the way, yeah. there's yeah. such good visual storytelling where she's like, oh, I can figure out a way to do this and then she like j- dives into the cube and then her like finger protrudes from it yeah. for like a split, that tiny, you know, and yeah. then she's able to like shrink herself down and come, it's like really
2: a cool sequence so cool um, and, and there's yeah. tons of that where they're not they yeah. don't explain how a displacer beast works but you get to see it you know it, it makes the the, the projection of its, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's there's lots of that kind of stuff where they don't slow down and spell it out but just in the articulation of it in the movie yeah it, you, you get what you need as a general audience who's not you know steeped in the monster manual um yeah, so there's tons of that. I mean, right at the beginning, having an Ericokra, you know, in in the room, like the winged Ericokra guy is like, oh, that's awesome, and seeing it pr- practical and seeing the um, the you know, Dragonborn uh character right at the beginning, a practical guy sitting there, it's all of that stuff. You go, oh, we're we're in D and D, we are in D and D now. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know where they got it. They just invented it for the movie. That's not I don't unless I you mm-hmm. know missed that. <laughs> that uh update that unearthed arcana as they call it in dnd um like for example the wizards like i think it's supposed to be his focus that thing that ro- he keeps mm-hmm. rotating uh in in the context of the game you can have a arcane focus which takes the place of physical materials when you cast things you have to use physical materials use up reagents to cast things and uh, a wizards can have you know a, a, a physical a arcane focus that makes that irrelevant again everyone just fell asleep when i was talking but um <laughs> that's why it's not in the movie that way yeah, yeah I was like yeah. so i don't know exactly what is right. that that i yeah. don't know how the rotation that thing is supposed to like there are things that maybe maybe i just didn't read that and update some, or some of it just doesn't matter
1: like they he, Chris matter. just hands hands the wizard things and it's like well we never see never see a bag of holding but right wizard sure is holding a lot of stuff yeah, the, you know, the main character is giving it, so I get it. Was that the, whole sequ- was the, were the walkie talkies a thing in the game, too? That was a, that was a weird
0: I was kind of like, that's kind of that weird. Must but, exist. That um, must be a thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, Th- that, that was
0: the only time in the movie where I felt like, okay, that's a little bit hand wavy. Where he's like, here, take one of these walkie talkie thingies, but they only last an hour, and it's like, okay, you know, uh, yeah, no, there's <laughs> a lot
2: of stuff that just doesn't like even the hither thither. You, you would think <laughs> that they would pick an actual magical item from the game. I'm not aware of a wand of hither thither. Ah, uh, maybe that is the thing that I, again. I will. I'm not the ultimate authority on yeah. D Frankly, my campaigns. I make most everything up anyway. I don't. Yeah. I don't I'm not a guy who uses Q, a lot. Q15 of,
0: emails about the hither thither that are coming in. Yeah, but uh, right I, I'm as not aware speak. of that <laughs> but,
2: being a particular exact uh, magic item. I sh- guess I should have googled it. But um. Anyway, so there's a lot of stuff like that where yeah. – but but also that's the spirit of D&D too because when I do a campaign, if I come up with this, a cool idea for a portal thing and I want to call it the one of Hithithithida, yeah. you put it in the game. You that's, do whatever you want. You do that's whatever what you want. So, great. so So yeah. that it's very much in the spirit of D&D for them to invent things and throw stuff in and mm-hmm. have fun. Yeah, it's It's cool. I, I think
1: what's what's key of this movie is that there is that inherent grounding of rules in the world and everything, but it is also it also sticks its own rules, and we kind of like that when like a universe is built and you kind of know what it means, right? You know, it's like, oh, well, we understood what the portal meant, but yeah, what if that portal is closed? How do you how do you get around that? Um, I really enjoyed the whole bit of talking to all the dead people and like you get, oh, yeah. you get five questions. That it's whole great. sequence, which is, is so good,
2: speak yeah. to the dead. Right? We we had a, a, a sequence in my campaign that's on YouTube where a character use that over and over and it, it very much the game of that spell in D and D is for the DM to try mm-hmm. to mess with the player, like yep. try to give as little information as possible and make your qu- that whole sequence of like, stop asking yes and no questions. That's exactly the spirit of how that's supposed to play in the game. Now in the game, will you be able to cast it 400 <laughs> times in a day? No, but it's again, it doesn't matter because it's, it's the fine. sequence yeah. is so fun, you know?
1: That's That's also a shout out to how they're marketing this movie i think they're doing a great job of it because part the first part of that scene was at the end of a trailer i saw it's like "Oh, that yeah. is that's actually a genuinely funny bit it will probably get normal people to be like oh this is funny It's so yeah. not just for nerds you know so yeah. but then in the
0: movie it goes on and on and on, it that's, goes ex- on. that's exactly what i was talking about is like yeah. the you see that clip in the trailer it's like him talking to one of the guys and they mm-hmm. accidentally ask the five questions and they could have ended it right there but It goes on and on and on. And every single one of those guys has a different look. Uh, You know, they had to make them up probably for hours. They had to use some CG. Then they flash back to this battle that that person's in. And they had to film all that as as well. And it just is a long way to go for us to have a laugh. You know, it's just like, uh, because they they didn't need to do all that just to be funny. But they did. And that's what I'm talking about of like it's just rare where you see people go to that length just for humor yeah. these days. You know, for,
1: I mean, it's it, again, it's thoughtful in the way that I feel like a lot of movies, when you get a fetch quest, somebody goes to the thing, go, go somewhere, get the thing. And we move on to the next scene. I was like, yeah. no, no, there is humor to be mined here. Let's mine it. Let's <laughs> mm-hmm. get some gold. And mm-hmm. this movie's always going for the gold. And know? they're not,
2: you know, the restraint of, of the shout outs is, is kind of good too. Like no, the, no one explicitly says that Michelle Rodriguez is a barbarian, or that, you know, that Chris Pine is a bard or that, you know, there, mm. there's nobody shouting out specific classes or like, hey, we gotta make sure all the D&D nerds, you know, get what they need. It, the movie's a movie and I think it works as a movie. And even if you had never heard of D&D, which I think was the point, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it works. And I think that's, it's pretty cool. It's effective, it's fun. It's a good time at the movie theater, I think
1: agreed for sure for sure uh davindra any other D &D references you want to mention in the movie or i I think it's more about how the references like if you understand this world if you've played these games you kind of get them but if you Mm. don't it actually doesn't matter like that is maybe a level of enjoyment you you just don't get but the movie itself is so like easy to like easy to just like take down like I, i think it is it does a great job of balancing things i do worry that maybe that one thing's like we we had three Lord of the Rings movies, guys. We had three Hobbit movies. Like I think people can under can accept a certain amount of like fantastical stuff. And I do you feel like in the main cast, like maybe I don't know, just a little more would have been nice. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, like there there's fun stuff here. The Bradley Cooper bit, where that scene is yeah. played completely straight. Yes. To you, where it looks inherently silly, but that that is more of like a Jeff Zucker thing, where. He's a yeah. tiny man. That's exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. They yeah. had this
0: whole scene where yep. they had to do like the force perspective probably just for this one to, and bring in Bradley Bradley Cooper's one gag, Cooper. you know? Yeah. yeah. By the way, were there any other you, you mentioned that, I think another casting thing or an easter egg or something at the end that I
2: think you talk, brought up the uh, the Saturday morning cartoon D&D yes. the, yeah. when they're in the maze at the end. The other team of heroes is dressed exactly like the old—the ones 80s. in the safe zone. Yeah, yeah. The other eighty, the old eighties Saturday morning cartoon team. They—they yeah. <laughs> they look ridiculous, but if you, they're, it's like yeah. spot on. The yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but I—I I know very little about the Dungeons and Dragons world, and uh, the movie still completely worked for me. And if anything. It underexplained things, you know, if anything, it was like none of those things that you guys have. It's it's so fascinating hearing you talk about it because it's like you watch this movie through an entirely different lens and picked up on like 500 things that I never even noticed. Um, But we both, uh, you know, both you guys and myself enjoyed the movie greatly, I think. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh so that's a testament to like how well they were able to like walk this line between humor and action adventure, and how well they were able to walk this line between non-fans and fans. Like I think they really threaded the needle here in, in a great way. So do you guys want to see more adventures with this cast? Jeff, I know yes. you weren't a fan of the chemistry, but I think you probably want to spend more time in this world, right? Yeah, I mean,
2: I'm hoping I'm hoping that the second movie's even even more fun. You know, I mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I definitely would go see this this team again. I just It just didn't feel like everybody clicked as a unit as much as I was hoping for. But, you know, that doesn't make me want to not see them again.
0: Yep. I want to shout out that there is some great uh, action choreography in the movie as well. Uh, It was, you know, it's hard to watch this movie after seeing John Wick Chapter (laughs) 4. Nothing can
2: compare. Yeah. I saw it the day before I saw John Wick Chapter 4, so so that was lucky for me.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, if you see this movie before you see John Wick Chapter 4, it's like, oh, that's some solid... Action choreography. But mm-hmm. then after watching Jabba Chapter 4, it's like, it's adorable that they're trying to do action <laughs> choreography. Like, look at these, you know, A for effort, guy. You know, but yeah. the action choreography is very, very competent. It's, yeah. Uh, and it's clearly made by people who enjoy these kinds of action, like hand to hand combat, really good stuff. I mean, um, shout out to
1: like Michelle Rodriguez, who is still like kicking it after being in, in movies for so long. I love that she's still playing the scrapper, like tough girl roles, and nobody, nobody kind of does it like her. So also having her who is, not the tallest person in the world essentially playing a barbarian. I think that itself is kind of a joke, and it's kind of funny. The Roger Page character, I don't know if you were cackling at the paladin of mm. him, Jeff, yeah. because he's very the paladin is a sort yeah. of like self-righteous hard ass. Yeah. Where they even make fun of it at the ends, like, is he gonna go around that rock? Yeah. No, absolutely. paladin goes straight through. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well played by him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh that was a very uh delightful role as well. Yeah. So uh yeah, just a lot of uh, great fun stuff in this movie. I had a great time. Anything else uh, to mention? I'm trying to think if there's anything else we haven't called out yet. But
1: it's, it's, I mean, no. Hugh Grant. Uh, did you guys yeah, get Hugh the Grant. introduction by the cast uh, Thank to thank you for watching it? In no. 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 I got no. that. And it was like 30 seconds, and there's Hugh Grant in the corner, just like seething, just like, <laughs> like get me out of here. And he gets the <laughs> final thing. Thank you. For seeing Dungeons and Dragons, and it, it is that after, especially after the stories about his like blow up on set
2: and everything, it is kind of funny. Um, but I yeah, definitely no. had a thought at toward the end of this movie where I thought, are they going to leave this on a cliffhanger? Because mm-hmm. I thought as the boat was sailing away, I really, th- I, I bought that that might be how they end this movie. The the joke would have been,
1: oh well, that city's gone.
2: Yeah, you know, it's like it's like the game night. <laughs> yeah, oh, he died. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, we're going to go back yeah. and we're going to solve this right now in this movie. But I. I really had. I thought we'd been there long enough. I, I, I'd been satisfied. I was like, if they end on this kind of cliffhangery, like <laughs> there's still big the big bad attacking yeah. the city and we're gonna sail away, I I would have bought it. I, yeah, I, yeah. Agreed. Well, what Agreed. I love,
0: you know, what I uh, it's a, it's just as like what I love about that ending is he uses it to begrudgingly fulfill the pledge that he made. Yeah, you know smart. to the to the other so character. Smart. You know, uh, with putting the portal in the b- balloon and all the treasure falling out, and it's like. That's just like very good basic setup and payoff, right? It's mm-hmm. just like all these pieces coming together, very yeah. satisfying. Feels like a lot of thought was put into it. And it just is so rare in this blockbuster environment we are in, in particular Marvel movies, which often feel like they were edited to shreds or were like some things are introduced, they don't pay off in the end, you know, like these basic screenwriting things coming to bear in this movie, I just really, really appreciated them. I, I realize it's been a long time since I think I've watched two movies in theaters of this quality and scale mm-hmm. that I really, really loved. It's you been know, a good like month. John Wick yeah. Chapter 4 and Dungeons and Dragons, like two movies back to back, I was like, oh my gosh, great time, both times. Um, yeah. Now I've got to ruin that record by going to see Air at the, at the uh, box office. So.
2: <laughs> I'm very and, much looking forward to your review of Air. Yeah,
0: I, I am also looking forward to what I have to say about that movie, but maybe I'll like it. Maybe. maybe I will like it I don't know why though okay well uh, that is going to bring us to the end of our review of Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves and at the end of the day it is really impressive that John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein made a movie it is you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at, slash at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of Tim McEwen from The Midnight. Check out his new band, Varsity Blue. Our spoiler bumper and weekly plugs music comes from Noah Ross. This episode was edited by me with video production assistance provided by John Barry and Kurt Mega. Now, next week, we had some very mild debate about what we would be discussing next week. But, uh, you know, Ben Affleck's return to the big screen air is coming next week, but really the main event is going to be, I think Jeff, did you predict this would be the number one highest grossing movie of 2022? Did you, is that something you said or am I making that up?
2: Uh, I may have said that you may have said it would be huge. Yeah. I definitely uh, predicted. I don't remember.
0: I I remember someone, it might've been Jeff saying like, this is going to be the number one highest grossing (laughs) film of 2023.
2: Uh, I, I think, think it's, it's going to crush. I think it's, it's going
1: to. That didn't really work out for Detective Pikachu, but Mario's something else, right? Mario's so, something else. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Well, the, the thing the thing is,
1: if Sonic the Hedgehog can be <laughs> a massive hit, <laughs> this is true. This is true, right? You, you cannot. Nintendo cannot let this stand. Sonic <laughs> to do right. better than Mario?
0: No. Well, this is also the first. I mean, I remember seeing Super Mario Brothers. The 1993 live action film in theaters
2: me too oh, wow me too rushed out rushed to see it that and was the best freaking... we could get back then that was the that was, that was someone all. paid attention to the things i like
0: it was so freaking weird right <laughs> and uh, uh this is going to be i think probably the the next iteration of super mario brothers on the big screen I think sure. I have a feeling this one's gonna honor the source material a lot better.
1: they gonna do pretty well. <laughs> Kids these days are so spoiled; they get a perfect representation of the games they've been playing
0: on <laughs> the know, big right? screen. My God, yeah. Last of Us and Super Mario Brothers—that's like Jeez. a one-two punch of great adaptation. We don't know. We're gonna find mm-hmm. out. That's what we're gonna find out next week.
2: I you know, I this- also make this promise, ladies and gentlemen: I will bring you not only my opinion of Super Mario Brothers, but my six-year-old son's, who is mm. probably Yay. the world's biggest Super Mario Brothers fan. Uh, so I'm taking him on Saturday to see it. We got matinee tickets. I'm so excited. That's yeah, sweet. I was
0: going to ask, like, uh, did you get a screening for this or are you going to take your son to the screening and you're the so, cool dad because you can see it early before Here's a little else,
2: or... little behind yeah. the scenes. Yes. A little behind yes. the scenes to my, my life. Yeah. I, for actual months... I think I, I've mentioned to you guys on the show how yeah. uninterested, generally, in movies yes. my kids are. Both kids. Mm-hmm. Yes, but you've
0: also said your son is really into this one.
2: So yeah. excited about this movie! We've yeah. watched every trailer. I know I broke my rule, but you know, for this, yeah. for what, just to get him amped. And for months, I have said, "Well, you know, son, your dad <laughs> gets to see movies early." And I'm going to take you to see this movie before anybody else. It's going to be a big theater where it's just going to be a few of us in there. It's going to be amazing. Finally, the day arrives, I get my press invite to Super Mario Brothers. No plus ones allowed. Wow. (laughs) That (laughs) never happens. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> never
1: you're gonna go there it's gonna be a, like 90% empty theater I literally Watch. I literally
2: text uh, uh, emailed back I was like yeah. I <laughs> I have a request to make um, flames, look at this face look at this face. on the I side never, of my face <laughs> I never ask for anything and my six year old I've been telling him s- s- that I'm cool and Please. And she's like, I'm so sorry. They're very specific about not allowing any kids or not. He, not has kids, he has a blog. He has a blog. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I even, I even said, I was like, I plan to incorporate his feelings into my review. <laughs> she's like, I'm really, really sorry. If I could, I would, but they're very strict. There's no plus ones or no guests allowed for this one, which literally. So rare that they don't allow yeah. plus one, yeah. so rare, yes. and it has to be yes. the one movie. So I was like, Ah, oh, I'm buying it. So I'm not even going to the screening because I was like, Well, yeah, I'm yeah. take yeah. my son on Saturday,
0: right? Right? I mean, you could have just appeared at the screening in a large trench coat, <laughs> you, you could have been put two, on some pounds,
1: bananas, Jeff. Bananas. yeah, just, just, <laughs> just feed some popcorn into <laughs> your chest, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> my son's just holding on for dear life to my torso. <laughs> So
0: did you have to eat crow with your son? Did you have to yes. like, go back?
2: It's awful. I was like, we're going on Saturday. And, you know, I was like, it's going to be... He <laughs> I, I, said, so, well, when is it... Is it? Is there... Are we seeing it early, Daddy? Yeah. No. No, we're not.
1: You lied to me. Yeah. <laughs> you betrayed me. That's it. Father. It's all
2: downhill from here. Mm-hmm. Life yeah. of crime. He's not all because re- of yeah. this.
0: He's going to remember this for the rest of his life. My
2: dad... Yeah. Betrayed me. Yeah. That's why I am the costume villain known as Bowser. I
0: saw, I saw Super Mario Brothers about 36 hours after most people could see it. And therefore, uh, my yeah. life
1: is in shambles. This is so. what turns your son into a spoiler-loving you know, trailer watcher. <laughs> yeah. This is it. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right. Well, next week, it's going to be Super Mario Brothers. It's going to be the main review of the podcast. Uh, I'm curious to see whether it's any good. We'll find out here on the Filmcast. Thanks for listening. See you later.